Mark, excuse me, chapter 5 and verse number 25. It says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Someone say she touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Someone say, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee. And sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject, crawling towards your miracle. Crawling towards your miracle. Brother Justin, thank you so much for ministering to us over these last few days. Uh, it, it's, it's a difficult thing to follow up to someone like that that has such an incredible ministry. And the last few days as he's been ministering, I've just been crossing notes off to what things I can say because he's already said it. But I believe that God has a word for us tonight. Amen. Crawling towards your miracle. How many of you believe that God is a, is a God that can still work miracles? That the God that we serve can still move. He can still restore. Uh, he can still work. Uh, I wonder if you believe that tonight. If you could just lift up your hands with me in praise uh, and thanksgiving and pray over this service right now. Jesus, we love you today. Uh, and God, we come before you, Lord Jesus. Uh, and we're trusting and believing uh, that you're going to have your way in this service. Uh, God, I pray right now for a boldness in the spirit. Uh, God, that faith uh, would rise in this place. Help us Lord Jesus to realize that your power and your authority and your spirit is only within an arm's reach of where we are right now. Help us right now in the name of Jesus to receive something from your word that goes deep within us that whenever you're around whenever we're in your presence that we would reach out and get a hold of your garment uh, that we would reach out and get a hold uh, of your spirit uh, and victory will happen uh, virtue will flow uh, in the name of Jesus uh, I wonder if you could just begin to glorify him for a moment right now uh, as we close out that prayer uh, hallelujah Jesus uh, yes Lord Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You may be seated tonight. When I was growing up, to get some extra money, my father decided and volunteered us to have a paper route. Anybody ever had a paper route before? Anybody? Brother Lehman, I believe, had a paper route. And we had it really difficult. We would wake up 
with our, fa- our father nudging us awake. And he would tell us it's time to go and deliver the papers. And we came out and, and they were already in bags because he had put them that way when he got them in the morning. And we went out to the van and he would drive us from house to house. I know we really, we had it hard. It was like we walked uphill to church both ways in the middle of a snowstorm. We had it really difficult, but, but it was something that just become a mundane thing. That every day we would wake up and we would go and we would deliver the papers. And we knew exactly what every house needed. We knew exactly where to put the paper. We knew exactly what every person wanted. Whether they wanted it in a bag or in a certain place or, or, or anything like that. We knew our customers. We were good at our job. And we got to the point where, where we were quick. And now I know it's hard to imagine, but I would run out of the van to each mailbox. And I would dunk that newspaper in the mailbox and we would run back to the van and we would leap. And as we were in the air, we would land in the, uh, the side pockets or, or the side seats of that grand caravan. It was an amazing thing. And we thought we were the coolest newspaper deliverers in town. We were the only newspaper deliverers in town. It was a small place. But we would, we would take that newspaper and we would run and we would put it in the mailbox and we would run back and, and we would jump and land in the van and we were like newspaper delivering ninjas. At first it was me and my older brother and we did it for a while and eventually he retired and my little sister came on and we did it for a while and, and then it was just them when I went off to college. But for years we delivered the papers and that was our job. And there was one time that my sister wouldn't wake up. She did this from time to time. She eventually did wake up, but she just didn't really enjoy delivering the papers as much as, well, nobody really enjoyed delivering the papers, to be frank. She wouldn't wake up, and so we needed another person to deliver the papers. And if you know my family, you know probably the craziest one out of all of us is my mother. (laughs) I can sometimes give her a run for her money, but... And so we were going to deliver the papers, and we needed someone to help us. And my mother said, I'll deliver the papers as long as I get paid. (laughs) And we said, sure. We went on our regular paper delivering route. And I did my regular thing, being a newspaper delivering ninja, running from house to house, dunking the the newspaper in the mailbox, running back and jumping in the seat. And when we had gotten to one house and I had did this, I, I was sitting in the passenger seat of the van and me and my father were staring straight ahead waiting for my mother. She didn't run quite as fast as I did. But I seen out of the corner of my eye my mother running with everything that she had in her towards the van. And the door, the side door of the van was swung open. And we were staring straight ahead. And all of a sudden, all we hear is clank, pull. And you've got to remember that there is one crucial step if you want to be a newspaper delivering ninja If you want to run and jump in the seat of the van, you have to remember to duck. 
because the bar that holds the track of the door is not as high as a person is. And my mother, midair, as she's jumping into the van, slammed her head off of the bar that went across the top of the van. And that wasn't the only noise we heard. As she slammed her head off the top of the van, she went down on her back, and (laughs) the wind went completely out of her as she went, (laughs) with the big thud on the ground. I ran out of the van and I I knelt down beside her. I said, Mom, Mom, are you okay? And and she said, word for word. That's what she said. (laughs) We took her home. She never delivered papers again. She never volunteered again after that. We laid her on the couch, and she could barely move for about two weeks. She had the worst concussion. Stop laughing. It's not funny. (laughs) Sometimes it feels like that's life, doesn't it? It seems like we're running full steam ahead towards uh, what's next in life. And it seems like there is just something that we come up against, that we hit, uh, that comes against us, and, and it just knocks us flat on our back. It seems like we're going full steam ahead uh, towards whatever it is that we're going to in life. Uh, and it seems like life just hits us right in the top of the head, uh, and life is down on the ground and takes the wind out of us when we fall down. Anybody been there? These last few months of COVID-19 have proved no different where it seems like almost the church as it was heading in a place that we felt God was directing us. All of a sudden there was shutdowns and regulations that we had to follow and things that we had to put into place. And I almost ripped my hair out trying to have church online at our own church. And we've probably all been there where it seems like life just hits us and knocks us flat on our back. COVID-19 has been no different uh, where we've had months of online services, uh, where we've had months of drive-in services, uh, and we've had now months or weeks uh, of wearing masks in church, uh, and it feels like we've been knocked down a little bit. But I've come to tell you tonight, uh, and let me just give away the main point of my message right now, uh, that knocked down does not mean defeated. It doesn't matter how many rules and regulations might come against us. uh, It does not mean that we're defeated. uh, It doesn't matter how many uh, rules there might be in place, uh, how many online services we've got to have. It does not mean the church uh, is defeated. uh, It doesn't matter how many services uh, I've got to come to with a mask on. uh, It doesn't mean we're defeated. uh, The church, uh, even though we might be knocked down, uh, is still crawling forward, uh, ready to grab a hold uh, of the hem of the garment uh, of Jesus Christ. Knocked down does not mean defeated. 
The story that I read to you at the beginning about the woman with the issue of blood is recorded in three separate Gospels. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 to 22, it says, And behold, a woman which was deceased, which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Someone in here say, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Uh, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman uh, was made whole that very hour. Uh, when we look uh, at the story of the woman with the issue of blood, uh, the Bible tells us that there was a crowd uh, that surrounded Jesus on every side, uh, that there really was not an easy way to get to him. Uh, perhaps this woman might have touched uh, the hem of his sleeve. Uh, but when I picture this, this story in my head. Uh, I picture the woman as she had dealt with this issue of blood uh, for 12 years having to get down uh, and push uh, through the through the press uh, of the crowd literally probably on her knees uh, trying to just reach this man uh, by the name of Jesus. Uh, she had never met him before uh, but she had only heard the stories uh, and said if I touch the hem of his garment uh, I shall be healed. And as she's going through the crowd, it didn't matter to her that she had been knocked down a little bit. As she was making her way through that crowd, it didn't matter to her that she had been knocked down a little bit. It didn't matter if the rocks might have gone on her knees and it might have hurt. Maybe some people would have even stepped on her hands as Jesus was crushed with the press of this crowd. But as she's going through this crowd, there is only one thing on her mind. I've got to touch the hem of his garment. I've got to get a hold of just the garment of Jesus Christ. I've never met him before, but I've heard the stories. And I know if I can just touch but the hem of his garment I shall be healed I wonder if we could just lift our hands right now hallelujah Jesus I just want to let faith rise in this place tonight Hallelujah, Jesus. Through every distraction that she faced, every person that got on her way, every pain that she might have felt as she was trying to get a hold of Jesus, she pushed through and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, and what more could we want in a service, in a church service other than coming here and reaching through all the distractions of life, everything that I've had and I've gone through at work, everything I've gone through at school, Everything that I might be facing emotionally, I know that with my needs, I've just got to touch the hem of his garment and virtue will flow. It was not a question. It was not a maybe. It was not, you know what, if I do this perfectly. It was not if I approach him the right way. It was not if so-and-so does it for me. But instead, she made up her mind and said, if I just reach through everything else that's going on in life, 
And if I touch the hem of his garment, virtue will flow. She believed it with everything inside of her. She declared it. It wasn't just, let's, let's try this. I've got nothing else to lose. I know I've got to push through. I know I've got to touch him, she said within herself. Because when I do, it's not that something might happen. It's not that something will happen if I've got the right last name. It's not that something's going to happen only when pastor reaches out or when pastor prays. It's not something that's only going to happen when an evangelist comes through. But it's going to happen when I... I get a hold of the hem of his garment if I can just touch the hem of his garment something will happen whenever someone decides within themselves to push through the press of life and everything that is going on around them and gets a hold of the hem of Jesus's garment Jesus take notices takes notice and he turns around and he says who touched me who touched me the disciples said Jesus there's people all around you there's people touching you on every side that are bumping into you and yet you ask the question who touched me but Jesus knew there's only one had decided to push through everything else in life had their mind made up that if I touch him I will be healed there's only one among all these people that made their mind up that I will be healed if I touch you. There was only one that made their mind up with everything inside of them. I need to touch this man if I want something to happen. When I was growing up at the Brewer household, one of the most common breakfast foods was these, Eggo waffles. And like I said, we, we had it rough. My little sister, she would come out in the mornings, and my father would take the Eggo waffle and put it in the toaster. And we had Eggo waffles down to a science. My sister would take it out of the toaster and put it in the microwave so that it, it was just the right consistency. If you take an Eggo waffle out of the toaster at, at about 6 and you put it in the microwave for about 10 seconds, it is a perfect crispness and chewiness. Just a little tip. My youngest sister, she liked her Eggo waffles to be cut up. But it depended on the day as to what she wanted. There were some days that she wanted them cut into, into rows or strips. But then there were other days when she wanted them cut up into squares. And my father had the audacity to just assume one day that she wanted them cut up into squares and not strips. My goodness. And she came out to this plate of waffles that was cut up into squares and not strips and tears began to well up in her eyes. Because you cannot go back from squares into strips. And it's so easy to cut them 
because they're already pre-made with little squares on them. But, but as he cut them, he cut them into squares, and, and they couldn't be put back into strips. And she said, I want another one. I don't want waffles that are cut up into squares. I want waffles that are cut up into strips. And he said, no. And emotion just overcame her as tears came down her face. And she refused to eat the Eggo waffles. She refused to eat the Eggo waffles that were cut up into squares. And finally, my father looked at her and said, Brianna, I just gave away who it was. Don't you realize? I can embarrass them because they're here, but don't ever tell my mother the story I told you at the beginning, okay? <laughs> he said, Brianna, there are people in this world that would do anything to have those waffles. And she stomped out of the room without any breakfast. But later on, she came back with an envelope in her hand. And she opened it up in frustration. And she began to pour in the waffles into the envelope. And she said, there! If there are children in the world that want to eat this, send it to them. She would not eat the breakfast if it was not exactly the way that she wanted it to be. It had to be perfect. It had to be exactly what she felt in the moment. It had to be the exact way that she wanted it. Someone had to read her mind to know what it was that she wanted. If it was a little bit different than the way that she had thought in the morning as she woke up and rose out of the bed thinking, I want strips of Eggo waffles. If it was even a little bit different, uh, she said, I'm not eating it. And sometimes in church, we can get the same way uh, where we come to church and we say, well, the lights uh, aren't really the shade that I want them to be. And you know what? They played that song that I'm not really so fond of. And they did this and they didn't acknowledge me. And so-and-so didn't say hi. And this happened and that happened. And we have to have this perfect formula in order for us to reach out to God, in order for God to begin to meet us, where we look around us and we say, well, this isn't the Sunday that God's going to meet me. Well, I don't think I'm going to reach out like I would have last week when they sang Breakthrough. We have to have church in this perfect formula in order for us to reach out and we think in order for God to begin to come down and meet us. But the only formula we ever find in the Bible for someone to get virtue to flow out of Jesus is to reach out and get a hold of him. It doesn't matter what shade the lights are. It doesn't matter what song they sing. It doesn't matter if it's new or old. I just
just know if I want to get a hold of Jesus, I've just got to reach out. If I need a miracle in my life, it's going to happen when I reach. If I need God to touch my family, it's going to happen when I reach. If I need God to begin to work in my finances, I've got to reach for it to push past all the other things in life and say I've got to get a hold of his garment because when I do, virtue will flow. I wonder if you could just worship him right now for a moment. We don't need music right now just for a few seconds. I wonder if we can lift our hands across this room and just do that right now. There isn't a perfect formula to get God to move. There isn't a perfect formula to get healings to happen. All it takes is for you and I to reach out and get a hold of his garment. Yes, yes. Oh, come on, church. All we've got to do is reach for it. All we've got to do is get a hold of his garment. That's all that needs to happen. Because when she said, if I can touch his garment, it's not an if. It's not a maybe. It's not sometimes. I know virtue's going to flow. I know my healing is going to happen. I know my breakthrough is going to take place. I know victory's going to come. I've just got to reach. We think it's got to be some perfect formula to get God to come down and meet us. But don't you realize... There are people in this world that would do anything to be able to worship the way that we worship. We can complain all we want, but there are people in this world that would give anything to be able to dance the way that we dance in church. There are people across this world uh, that would do anything uh, to be able to lift their voice in church. Uh, Don't you realize uh, there are people uh, across this world uh, that would give whatever they could uh, just to sit in a church service uh, with a mask on, uh, sitting six feet apart from people uh, to get together with the body of Christ uh, and say, let's get a hold uh, of the hem of his garment. When we got back to the building after months of live streaming and outdoor services and church at home, that wasn't quite the same as what we're used to things being. We got in and it didn't matter what chord the music played. Woo! It didn't matter what song it was. They could start singing Amazing Race. And we'd be ready to run the aisles. Because there's something about being in church. But after a few months, well, it's the same church that I'm used to. Same church every Sunday. Same church every Wednesday. And now I have to follow arrows. Now I've got to wear a mask. I can't breathe right. I smell my bad breath all the time. 
We're going to follow all these rules, but it doesn't matter how many rules they put in place. It shouldn't stop us from reaching out and saying, this, this is a service where God has something for me. This, this is a service where God's going to answer my prayer. This, this is a service where I'm going to receive my victory. This, this is a service where I pray that last prayer that so-and-so walks through the door. This, this is a service that my healing is going to take place. This, this is a service where so-and-so is going to receive the Holy Ghost. This, this is a service where somebody's going to get baptized. This, this is a service where I've got to reach out and get a hold of God. This is a service. It's not that one service we came back to. It's not that one time only, but every single week we've got to walk through the doors and say this is where virtue's going to flow. If I reach out, I know God's going to meet me. If I push aside everything else, and get a hold of him. I know he's going to touch me. If I reach out and get a hold of him, I'm waiting for my miracle to happen. Why don't we just lift our hands and just love him right now? That's it, church. Just for a few more moments. Just begin to reach for it right now. You've been praying for the same thing. It feels like week after week after week. Keep reaching for it. I believe this is a service. You've been praying for that loved one for so long. Just keep praying for it. This is a service. I get a hold of the hem of his garment. You've been wanting God to move and to restore you for so long. For victory to happen over other things in your life. You've been going through. Just keep reaching for it. Every service that comes. It's going to be what I make it to be. But I only get a hold of God when I reach. Yes, just for a few more moments. That's beautiful right now. Just let something begin to wash over this room. Yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We find the formula is the same. With the woman with the issue of blood, all she wanted was that miracle. She said, I've got to reach for it. It's not a maybe, but if I touch the hem of his garment, virtue will flow. We find in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. A man by the name of blind Bartimaeus. And it's the same formula here. A man that was blind and he began to cry out because he heard uh, there's a man walking by and his name is Jesus. 
And I know if I'm ever going to receive my sight, it's going to happen when he touches me. It says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth in verse 47, he began to cry out saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many people charged him that he should hold his peace. Be quiet. Be quiet. He, he doesn't want to hear you. But he kept crying out. He cried out even the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. When you begin to cry out, it makes Jesus stand still. When you begin to reach out, it makes Jesus turn around. Jesus is in this place right now. But we've got to make up our minds that I'm going to get him to turn around. I'm going to get Jesus to pour out into me. I'm going to call out loud enough so that he can't just walk by and me be left in the dust. I cannot let this just go by the wayside. I've heard about this man by the name of Jesus. And if the stories are true, I'm not just guessing. But if the stories are true, he will heal me. And so I've got to cry out with everything inside me, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And people looked around, looked at him from around about him and said, be quiet. He doesn't want to hear you. He doesn't want to talk to you. But the Bible says that he cried out all the more because it doesn't matter what other people say or what other people might think when there's a possibility of Jesus being in proximity. I know I've got to get his attention. I don't care about any other distractions. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what anybody might say. If Jesus is in the room, I want to get his attention. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. If Jesus is in the room, I want to reach out and get a hold of him because I know if I'm ever going to see something happen, it's going to happen when I get a hold of his garment. In order for virtue to flow, it's going to take pushing through some things in life. That woman's healing did not play, take place, however, had an altar call on a Sunday night. We have this idea in our head, especially during this season, of, well, if I could only get to the altar, then God would move. If I could just come around the front and have pastor pray for me, I know my need would be met. If I could just get up around the front and begin to worship the way that I used to worship at the first of the year and last year, I know something would begin to happen. But right here in my pew, I'm not so sure. We've commented many times 
Pastor and I, oh, wouldn't it be nice if the altars would open up? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just open up our altars in the next little while? I can't wait until we can open up this altar and begin to lay hands on people and pray with each other. Don't get me wrong, church. I cannot wait for that day when we can open up the altars and begin to pray with people and with our peers like we used to. But God is not confined to an altar. The woman with the issue of blood did not have to wait until a Sunday night with a special evangelist to get her healing. Instead, she made up her mind and said, uh, it doesn't matter what the street name is. Uh, it doesn't matter who else might be around. Uh, but I heard Jesus is walking by. And so I've got to get a hold of his garment. I heard that Jesus might be around, and so I've just got to reach out. And if I can get a hold of his garment, I know something's going to happen. It didn't happen at a youth convention. It didn't happen at a youth retreat. It just happened when she made up her mind. If God is going to touch me, it's going to take me reaching. If God is going to heal me, it's going to take me pushing through some things. If God is going to work a miracle, I've got to be the one to reach through the crowd. And so she began to reach. We can say all we want. I can't wait to have the altars back. But the same God that's in this altar is the same God that's in your pew. You don't have to be in an altar on a Sunday night to reach. You don't have to be in an altar with all your peers to begin to reach out. We've had intercessory prayer begin to break out at our church in the middle of a pew because someone began to reach. A miracle is not confined to an altar. An altar is just a place. An altar is just a raised platform. The physical altar we might be used to in our churches might be taken away because of COVID-19, but it doesn't mean that God has stopped moving. There might not be altar calls right now, but it doesn't stop me from dancing. There might not be altar calls, but it doesn't stop me from shouting. There might not be altar calls, but it doesn't stop me from getting lost in the spirit. There might not be altar calls, but I'm still waiting. I know God can fill someone with the Holy Ghost in their pew. I know God can work on someone's life in their pew. I know God can release victory on someone in a pew. Oh, I wonder if we could stand to our feet right now and just begin to worship him. Yes. Yes. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I wish someone would begin to reach out for something right now. You need healing right now, begin to reach for it. If you need a miracle in your life right now, just begin to reach for it.
We like to talk a lot. But do you remember about those times when we used to have revival? Do you remember the times when we've had all-night prayer meetings? Do you remember the times when we'd have revival services every night for a whole week? And people would come and they'd be filled with the Holy Ghost. We like to talk about the days of old. And I've never been to Harvey Camp, but some of you talk about it so much, I might as well have been there. We like to talk about all those times. Don't you remember when it just seemed like new people came flooding through the door all the time? Don't you remember that time when it felt like our church was in the middle of revival? I don't ever want to get to a point where we look back and say, don't you remember when we used to have our altar? Don't you remember when people would dance and shout and get slain out and get lost in the presence of God? in an altar? Don't you remember the youth convention where so-and-so lifted their hands in an altar? Don't you remember those times? I don't ever want to get to a point where we remember our altar as if it's a place that has passed. But instead, I think we should say, don't you remember 2020 in the middle of a pandemic when the pastor would make an altar call and the altar call was something that enveloped the whole room don't you remember when an altar call was given in 2020 and people responded so much and they made their own pew their personal altar. Don't you remember when we were faced with adversity and people came in Sunday after Sunday with masks on and rules and regulations and yet they still worshipped with everything they had. Don't you remember when people would linger in their pews like they used to linger in the altar? Don't you remember when so-and-so was filled with the Holy Ghost right in the middle of song service in their pew? Don't you remember, church, how I feel something in the Holy Ghost right now? Don't you remember when so-and-so was going through something and when they lifted their hands in their pew, God began to work. Second Corinthians 4, verse 8 to 9 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. And my favorite one, we are cast down, but we are not 
destroyed. I might be knocked down a little bit. I might be pushed back a little bit. I might be in a situation I'm not used to. But I know if I reach that God is still going to move. Oh. I wonder if we can lift our hands all across this room right now. I wonder if you could do that just for a moment, church. I don't need an altar to jump. I don't need an altar to dance. I don't need an altar to break through some things in my life. There have been some of you in this room right now, you've been praying for the same thing over and over and over again. I want to encourage you right now. Keep reaching. Get a hold of his garment. Every time Jesus might be walking by, I can't let this opportunity pass. I've got to reach. Just pray right now with the fervency. Just pray right now over whatever situation you might be facing right there in your pew. If you can make that your own personal altar, I got to reach and get a hold of his garment.